captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Hey, Captain's Logs and Lightsabers listeners. Got tats? Love your ink? But are you worried that your art will fade over time and the cost to keep it looking vibrant and fresh gets to be too much? Well, that's where Mad Rabbit comes in. After just one use, you'll see how Mad Rabbit is effective on old and new tattoos. All natural ingredients are used to keep this from feeling oily or greasy. Even better, Use promo code CLLPOD and save a whopping 20% on every purchase. Keep your ink looking great and save money. Check it out. MadRabbit.com. Promo code CLLPOD. Hey there. Welcome to episode 23 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We are the podcast on the Geek News Now network that discusses both Star Trek and Star Wars and compares the two. Stick with us as we kind of run through the top of the show and what we always do in every episode. So my name is Jonathan. I am one of the hosts here. Let me introduce my co-host, Chris. How's it going? I'm good there, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I am really good. It's It's been not, well, a little while since we last recorded, I guess, huh? Yeah, it's been, I think, uh, three, three and a half weeks, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, that's right about on pace with us, with our um, normal <laughs> release. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, being in, our, we, our adulting takes up too much of our time to have fun. Very true, very <laughs> true. So, um, anything exciting happened with you lately since we last recorded? To be honest with you, not really. So basically, the only way, I guess th- this could kind of segue into how did you geek this week? The only thing I did was I, I used up the last of my Amazon gift card. I just bought a Star Trek Picard hat that I'm going to start wearing on Sunday since it'll be the week that the season premiere of Picard comes out. I also got a brand new Star Trek ring with a Starfleet Delta symbol in it in a circle. It's a black ring. Uh, it's not the, the most expensive ring in the world, but it, it does the job that shows I'm a big Trekkie. So it's nice. I might have to take it back, though, and get a different size. I got a size 12 and it's a little loose. So I might have to go back and get like an 11. But uh, other than that, it, I love it. It feels great. Yeah, I, I used to be a size 12 ring as well. I'm now down to a size 11. So that's funny. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so so really, that is all I've done since we've last talked, except see family. How about you? Kind of the same. I've just been doing my work stuff and mm-hmm. you know catching up or keeping up with all of the shows and stuff that we watch on you know Disney Plus and, and everything. Um, over the past couple of weeks, I actually filled in a gap in my film watching history and, and completed uh, the Rocky franchise. I completed well, I had never seen Rocky 2, 3, 4, or 5 prior to uh, a couple weeks ago. And I kind of, you know, I watched those four movies. So I've now seen every Rocky movie so far. I haven't started the Creed franchise yet, but I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. Well, did you did you really enjoy what you watched? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Rocky 2 was incredible. It, it, okay. 
of the four that I watched, I would say Rocky two was my favorite, three was my second favorite, four was my third favorite, and five was my least favorite. Okay. Most people seem to say Rocky five was the worst. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, really, really really bad <laughs> I, that's what I, my dad used to watch those movies when we were kids and he always said rocky five stinks rocky five stinks and i'm like okay all right we won't watch rocky five then yeah we'll just keep watching four he seemed to like four see i didn't like four as much as everybody seemed to really enjoy it i, I don't know i just thought it felt way too over the top way too 80s like it it was <laughs> if you want a perfect snapshot of what the 80s was like kids go watch rocky four that's that's a pretty accurate uh path of, of that decade oh there you go that's good that's good well yes yeah, so what brigitte nilsen's in it is in it uh who the heck say who played ivan drago was that oh, dolph lundgren dolph lundgren yep okay okay and isn't that the one where they had the robot going around yes there you go. Okay, now that is definitely quintessential 80s. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, so now, yeah, I've, I've seen every Rocky film, so I can I, I'm kind of feel accomplished with that. And that's kind of geeky in a way. Sure, absolutely. It's a franchise. Yeah. You know, that's what we do here is talk about franchises. <laughs> very true. And yeah. then I guess the other really quick thing that I want to discuss, and, you know, kind of, you know, on the same line as you with a couple cool purchases. Um a couple months ago, I got a new pair of glasses from this online site called Pair Eyewear. And and the thing with Pair Eyewear is you pick a base frame and they have about 10 different ones that you can choose from for, for men and, and an equal number of, uh, of frame options for women. And you pick a base frame, you pick a color of the base frame, but then they have magnets on the temples where you can buy tops uh, that, that adhere magnetically to the glasses. So it kind of changes up your look. Okay, and you can just swap out the tops because it's just a simple magnet that holds them in place. Mm-hmm. So there is a huge, huge community of top creators on Facebook, on Etsy, and all those places. And uh, I ordered myself a custom set of Star Wars uh, tops with the Ahsoka, like her her silhouette, basically with her uh, montrals and her uh, facial markings. Um, but I got that pattern on, on a set of tops and, uh, the other pattern that I got was a Star Trek pattern, which I sent you in in a message and it's got the, uh, the comm badges and the, you know, and they represent the different departments. So command engineering and science. Oh, nice. So that's what those were. I couldn't, they looked like, it looked like wrapping paper to me the way it came in. I'm like, okay, why is he sending me pictures of nerd wrapping paper? (laughs) Now it makes a little more sense. As I told you it would. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) I told you it all makes sense once we started recording. (laughs) Absolutely. Good, good, good. (laughs) Oh, all right. So that's, that's kind of our geekiness over the past three and a half weeks, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Move the ship out of the asteroid field so that we can send a clear transmission. Captain, incoming message. Come closer, I have good news. So, Chris, um, I know that kind of Star Trek news is a little light at this point, but you, you kind of find something interesting to talk about, right? Yeah, the one thing that I I found right now, uh, obviously the big news right now is we're, what, eight days away from the third season premiere of Star Trek Picard. So that right now is taking up all the news focus on Yahoo News and all of the different things. Mm -hmm. But what I found today, just kind of scrolling through Twitter, 
Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the first season. At this point, we already know that it's coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, and a limited edition Blu-ray Steelbook. Those are supposed to be coming out March 21st. But fans seem to be asking about what about a 4K Ultra release. So there was news on uh, Twitter today that the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray edition is actually going to be coming out on May 16th, and it will come wrapped in a fancy steelbook of its own. So I saw a picture of it. I think really what it is, it's just like the, the cover. I th- if I remember correctly, it's just the cover. It's the one poster, I think, where Pike was on the horse and the Enterprise uh-huh. was overhead. If I remember correctly, that's the, the, the picture that's going to be on that that release. I think oh, the one, cool. uh, yeah, I think with the regular release, it's just the Enterprise and the, all of the main characters in the front on that planet. You know, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So really beyond that, that's all the Star Trek news that I've seen gotcha. coming up. That seems a little weird that they wouldn't have just automatically released a 4K Ultra HD home version because that's how the show airs on Paramount Plus. If you have a, a compatible television, it's automatically in uh, ultra high def, right? Right. Yeah. So that's what I thought. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah, you're right. It is a little weird that they decided to kind of split the releases, but hey, I guess fans just have to wait two more months, but they're going to get what they they've asked for. Right. Right. And you know if you've been holding out so you could see the, uh, the beautiful man that, that uh, Anson Mount is, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's a pretty good looking dude. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. He's, he's definitely a manly man. There's no denying <laughs> that, you know, uh, the, the, the hair flip is, is unique. <laughs> the memes of that, that came out with it growing, like, you know, like Marge Simpson's hairstyle is like, that, those were pretty funny. Yeah. Last yeah. year. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so uh, on that note, I, I found a couple little Star Wars bits of news to talk about. Um, All right. We'll kind of start with the, kind of for me, what's kind of the most devastating uh, in a way. Um, and, and I get why it's going to happen. Um, but, you know, the uh, the Star Wars Jedi Survivor game that's coming out that was supposed to come out March 17th, uh, which, you know, it's that it's the game that I've been really excited about, the sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that came out in uh, 2019 and was mm-hmm. one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. Uh, the the sequel is was supposed to come out on March 17th, but unfortunately, it's being pushed back uh, by about six weeks to I think April 28th or very beginning of May, something like that. The, the development team wants to make sure that they release a quality product and they wanted the extra six weeks uh, to really kind of refine everything and make sure that when it launches, the game is going to be as smooth as it's intended to be. So they, from time to time, game companies will do this, but it's still kind of, you know, disappointing because, you know, you look forward to a game release and then, well, it gets pushed back and, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing, but I I get the reason why uh, they want to do it. Sure. Absolutely. I guess it's what we call in the therapy world, delayed gratification at this point. You know, (laughs) I mean, you want, we all want our immediate gratification, but then we have to just kind of suck it up and wait. So hopefully that'll be worth the the two month or month pushback. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I hope so. And, and you know what, I've just, I will just be patiently waiting and it's just going to build up that sense of anticipation a little bit more, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely absolutely the only other piece of star wars news that i was really able to locate for this was the announcement of 
the second season of Star Wars Visions, and it's going to be released on uh, May 4th of 2023. So that's how we get to celebrate May the 4th Be With You this year, is with a new season of Star Wars Visions. All nine episodes are going to be available same day. Uh, so you won't have to wait week to week for the series. And what, and if you don't really remember or you don't have Disney Plus or you didn't watch it, Star Wars Vision Season 1 was a compilation of nine shorts by nine different Japanese animation studios. Uh, and it's kind of the Japanese take on Star Wars. Well, none of the episodes are canon or anything like that. It's just fun shows to watch and, and just see like how Japanese really take to Star Wars and how they interpret it because George Lucas was very much inspired, of course, by Japanese culture and samurai culture and especially the films of Akira Kurosawa. So it was a nice little pat on the back for both. Um, but season two is kind of broadening the horizon of Star Wars visions. And there are going to be nine new shorts, but they're going to be from animation studios from around the world. So we're getting uh, a short from, an animation studio in Spain, in Ireland, in India, South Africa, and there's going to be a lot more. Um, one of my favorite, or one of my most anticipated uh, shorts that's part of this Visions Season 2 collection is by uh, the studio called Ardman. And they're a United Kingdom-based studio who specializes in stop-motion animation. And they've done, like, the Wallace and Gromit series, uh, Shaun the Sheep, if you've heard of any of those. Mm -hmm. And I mean, stop motion Star Wars. We haven't seen that since uh, a lot of the, you know, like the some of the battle scenes, you know, in in uh, Empire Strikes Back were done with stop motion. Sure, wasn't um, also the Rancor in Return of the Jedi? Was that the same t as well? I believe that was stop motion as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, yeah, I can always see the mat lines when he's going after Luke down in the cave. That's right. like was. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and you know, it, it kind of breaks the immersion a little bit with our 4K technology, but it looked amazing on a standard, you know, standard definition television back in the 80s. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be really cool. I have, n I have not checked out Star Wars Visions yet. I, I think it's on Disney+, Plus, right? It is, yeah. It is. I'll have to check it out then so we can you know, trade notes for season two. So I, I did not put it together that it was May 4th when that was coming out. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right. And I think that kind of covers the news, right? Sounds about right to me. Don't get technical with me. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Polaris, not the end. The Jedi uses the force for knowledge and events. Okay, I thought so. So uh, with no more news to talk about and with How Did You Geek This Week in the books for another episode, I think we're going to move on to our feature discussion. And uh, Chris, uh, once again, this was a brilliant idea that you had for an episode, so I'm going to let you take it away with an introduction when you're ready. All right. I, I, well, thank you. So basically what I thought about for this episode was I was looking online and I just happened to notice on Facebook that somebody mentioned Star Wars Celebration. So Star Wars Celebration, for those of you who don't know, is the basic large Star Wars convention for fans. And it's usually once a year. It hasn't happened for a couple of years because of COVID. But Star Wars Celebration is going to be in Europe this year. And it's going to be happening in London, England from April 7th through April 10th. 
So that's going to be exciting for Star Wars fans. But as also as fans know, Star Trek has a long history of having its own conventions, with its biggest conventions actually being through Creation Entertainment. As many fans know as well, Star Trek has its own history of having conventions with and the biggest one that's actually out there now is through Creation Entertainment in Las Vegas, which is Star Trek Las Vegas, which typically takes place at the Rio All Suites Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. And it is scheduled to occur from August 3 through 6 this year. So unfortunately, Jonathan, I'm sure as a Star Wars fan, you would love to go to Celebration as much as I love to go to STLV. For sure. Now... Obviously, you and I are not going to either one of these this year, but for those of you who don't know, Jonathan has attended a Star Wars celebration in the past, and I went to Star Trek Las Vegas three different times, once in 2012, once in 2016, and one in 2019. So we've got to experience these big, humongous conventions in person. So I thought with Star Wars Celebration coming up very shortly, why don't we talk about conventions and a little bit of what they're like and what our memories are of those. So maybe you guys can enjoy it. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you coming up with this topic. I think it's going to be a a really fun uh, walk down memory lane for both of us to relive the the convention experience. Um, But yeah, I, I also, I wanted to kind of use this time to talk about the history of these fan conventions because, you know, Big gatherings like this weren't always uh, a thing within the fandom communities. Um, They often started out very small, very grassroots, before they blew up into the celebration that we know and love today. And before the conventions kind of morphed into these major gatherings like they are today for Star Wars Celebration, Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, they kind of started out much smaller and much more fan-driven, much more intimate. So um, as far as Star Wars Celebration is concerned, it's not something that is relatively new. It's just only grown in size year after year after year. Uh, the, there have been about 15 official Star Wars Celebration conventions so far, um, and the the first three were all timed to occur right before the release of the prequel movie. So Celebration 1 was released, or uh, occurred a couple months before the release of Star Wars Episode One, Celebration 2 before Episode 2, and Celebration 3 before Episode 3. Uh, and then they just kind of became uh, the, the, the fan, the major, the official fan gathering from Celebration 4 forward, and that's when they started uh, occurring all throughout the United States through the, and, and the world, and even in Japan, there's been a Star Wars celebration. So Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the history of the official Star Wars convention. There's there's a lot of smaller fan-run conventions uh, that, that attract a lot of Star Wars guests. I mean, you know, we have our own local cons here in, in the Pittsburgh area, like Steel City Con, and uh, Columbus has a pretty big co- uh, Comic-Con, and there's Wizard Comic-Con, and they all kind of attract people from Star Trek and Star Wars both. Yes. Uh, but then you've got... Um, some of the bigger conventions throughout the United States, there's a really big, like basically it's all fan run, all fan organized. It takes place in downtown Atlanta. It's called Dragon Con. It always takes place over Labor Day weekend of every year. And uh, it it attracts a lot of uh, Star Wars and Star Trek guests, but it's all like fan driven, fan run. It's not put on by any one official um, like licensed con putter on or, 
organization or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I was always wondering if there were more Star Wars conventions outside of Star Wars Celebration, because I've never like heard of Star Wars conventions like you hear about Star Trek conventions. Right, right. And it, it yeah, I, I don't really think there are a ton of ones that really get a lot of attention, at least. I mean, you kind of get a little bit of Star Wars every time that Disney has their D23 convention, which is kind of uh, on a a biennial cycle. It happens once every two years in Anaheim. Um, you get a Star Wars and Marvel and Disney presence there. And then you have a lot of other official Star Wars events like Disney Cruise Line used to do Star Wars Day at Sea cruises kind of in January through March, uh, which was kind of a way to attract people to cruise during those slower times mm-hmm. by having these themed cruises. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. I didn't know about that. So that's, that's really, that's fascinating, you know? So I know with, if, you know, the word Star Wars convention don't really sound normal together, but basically by this point, after 50 years, the term Star Trek convention is basically a part of every lexicon. I can't tell you how many people come up to me and go, have you gone to those conventions? Absolutely, I did growing up when I was when I was little. But the ones that came out here into the Pittsburgh area were through Creation Entertainment, who is still running a lot of of, of different conventions. They unfortunately at this time they don't have the official license for the for Star Trek Las Vegas anymore. Mm-hmm. They used to. Now Reed Pop has it. Reed Pop Oof. had their their first. Oh, you don't like Reed Pop? <laughs> They're a mess. I mean, they run Star Wars Celebration, but I don't oh. work for Reed Pop. I don't work for Lucasfilm, so I can <laughs> I can feel free to express my opinion. My um, God, yeah. they're, they're, they're a bit of a disorganized mess, which makes sense why they decided to cancel Star Trek Mission Seattle, because they probably didn't have a clue what they were doing. Exactly. And my fingers are so crossed that that creation's going to get the license back eventually mm-hmm. and, and they can have the official Star Trek convention in Vegas because I see I, I haven't gone to any of the conventions that are now they're just referred to as like the 55 year mission. This one's obviously going to be the 57 year mission, but they're not allowed to have any authorized like sets and props and stuff. I mean, when I was there, we were they had Quark's bar and the Borg. Alco- I mean, just tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that's sorely been missing from what I've seen of the other of the Vegas conventions in the last, I'd say, two years, three years, you know, but uh, ho- who knows? Any anything's possible. So that could happen. But what's really cool about Star Trek conventions is the first one that was that was actually held. It occurred from January 21st through 23rd of 1972 in New York. That is actually what is considered to be the first true Star Trek convention. And it wasn't some big organization that got it together. It was actually a small group of Star Trek fans that were referred to as the committee. And several members of the committee were, uh, there was a woman named Joan Winston, and she actually, I believe, wrote a book about the first convention in a book called Star Trek Lives. It came out sometime in the 1970s. That there were, she was, uh, her main responsibility was to basically watch the dealer's room and give detailed accounts of the first convention. Uh, Other members that were part of this committee included people named Alan Asherman, Eileen Becker, Elise Pines. Steve Rosenstein and Al Schuster. And you would think back in the seventies, you imagine it was probably, there was no internet. There was no way to really quickly connect with Star Trek fans. So they had to basically just type out letters and flyers and send them out. So, and this was actually talked about in the documentary Trekkies 
So apparently they were thinking that only like 300 guests were going to actually show up to this show. Well, actually, several thousand turned up by the end of the convention. They actually had to turn people away or keep people waiting outside for that. So some of the things that they actually did at this very first show was they had a costume contest. They had an art show. They had some sort of NASA display. And of course, they had the dealer's room. You can't have a Star Trek convention without a dealer's room. You know what I mean? They also screened some some of the uh, 16 millimeter prints of the, the videos. They actually showed of the, of the pilot episode, The Cage. And my favorite part of every Star Trek convention, the blooper reel. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not a Star Trek convention to me until I see that blooper reel on on screen. You know, it, it's it's a must. So and then yeah, they had some guest speakers. You know, Gene Roddenberry was there. Majel Barrett, DC Fontana, Isaac Asimov was there. That was a good get. Uh, and uh, I think uh, his, uh, there was also a Desi Lu executive, Oscar Katz, I believe. He actually that was the, actually his only only Star Trek convention he went to. And he was also there with his colleague at the time from Desilu, Herb Solo. So after that, it proved to be such a success that they started having annual events. So it actually started to spread out. So you'd actually have the official Star Trek conventions that were basically through Creation Entertainment. But there were a lot of smaller ones as well. But getting back to Creation Entertainment. So Creation Entertainment was founded in 1971. And they produced basically what were called traveling Star Trek convention all, all over North America and in Great Britain. So at the height of Star Trek's popularity, which was early to mid-90s, around 1994 when Generations came out. So Creation was actually organizing around that time 110 conventions per year, sometimes three in actual, actually in one weekend. So like I said, there were a couple Creation conventions that came out here to <clears throat> Pittsburgh. The first one I went to was in January 1989. I was in second grade. I was eight years old. And James, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, James Doohan was there. And I remember him... T- I remember it was really weird because I remember him talking in his normal voice without a Scotty accent. And I'm like, why is he talking so weird? Why is he talking? <laughs> you know, and so and I remember him wearing a white s- sweatshirt. That's the, one of the only things I can really remember. And un- well, fortunately, somebody I actually found some footage of that on YouTube about a year or two ago. And I haven't really nice. watched it. I saved it, but I'm going to go back and actually try to watch that. Also, when I was in graduate school, the lady that I was studying under for my MSW, she was a big Star Trek fan, and she apparently was at that convention. And she actually gave me the picture that she had of Scotty. And guess what? He was wearing that white shirt. Uh, There you go. There you go. I was like, okay, so my memories are sticking out here pretty good. You know, so and we went to a couple other Star Trek conventions in they were in Monroeville at, at what used to be not the Monroeville Convention Center, but I think it was the Monroeville Expo or something like that. So we saw Mark Leonard at the next one we went to, and then we saw Nichelle Nichols. Then we didn't go to any Star Trek conventions. They just started to disappear in the late nineties. No one came here to Pittsburgh, you know, and then I got to be fortunate enough to go to Star Trek Las Vegas those three times, you know, but there are also other conventions out there too. There's FedCon, which is Europe's largest annual sci-fi convention. It's usually held in Bonn, Germany. It started in 1992 as it was a primarily a Star Trek convention. Yeah, there's also a, another one that's fan run that's called Shoreleaf, and it's somewhere in Maryland, and it happens every year. I believe Star- Shoreleaf 43 is happening this year. I've never been to Shoreleaf, but I printed out their flyer today, and I said to my wife, I said, we got to go. <laughs> right? That would be you great. Know? Yeah. 
And then I think that's really about it. There's also, well, there's Destination Star Trek. That's also, that's the official European Star Trek convention. Mm -hmm. That's happened in London twice, Birmingham twice, and in the city of Frankfurt, you know. And then the other one, the last one I was really going to talk about is what were called Vulcan conventions, V-U-L-K-O-N. So they began running conventions in 1987 in places like Orlando, Cleveland, Houston, and Atlanta. Um, Normally two Vulcans, Conventions were held each year in Orlando, Florida, one in the spring and one in the fall. Usually had been, had about 1,500 to 2,000 people, but unfortunately in late 2008, the company filed for bankruptcy and it was dissolved. So that's just a basic little uh, history of some of the Star Trek conventions. They're a blast. I hope you yeah. get to go to one someday. I, I would love to. I just have to find the time and you know <laughs> that, that's the trick. Yeah. There's, there's only so many weekends you know you, uh, you can do stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Again, back to that, having no adult first before we can have fun. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, at the same time, Star Wars conventions really wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for all these early pioneers in Star Trek conventions. So the the fact that Star Wars Celebration is what it is and why it's so and, and, and being such a popular event that attracts people from all around the world is because of Star Trek conventions. So absolutely. Absolutely. And then now you think about it that now we got the Doctor Who conventions and supernatural conventions, and then you have the little miniature comic cons where now we're, it's a little mix of everybody. So yeah, I think, I think those pioneers, as you call them, basically they, they did set the, the tone for all this. So we're very lucky for that. Right. So I, I think that was a, a very, very detailed history of, of fan conventions. So thank you for putting all that together for us, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I know Star Wars really doesn't have as robust a history, but again, yeah. that's because of this, the, the, the love that Trekkies have for, uh, for their, the, you know, for the franchise and, and cared enough to have conventions. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, I thought before we kind of get into our individual experiences at Star Wars Celebration and Star Trek Las Vegas, I thought we'd kind of talk about uh, the overall layout of, of a fan convention that we go to. So, and, and I'm pretty much, while I've only been to one Star Wars celebration, they're all pretty much organized the same way, just the venue changes. Mm-hmm. You know, you've kind of got your uh, main stages for panels or main rooms for the panels. You know, that's where all the major panels take place. Sometimes, depending on the size and the need, you know, they have multiple areas of multiple sizes that can accommodate big productions and, and heavy, uh, you know, number of audience members. You've got a lot of... You know, and, and usually these conventions take place in a pretty large convention center. So you've got a lot of uh, smaller rooms and smaller areas and, and different uh, sections where a lot of the fan created content can can be. You know, you've mm-hmm. you've got the costuming clubs like the 501st Legion, the Rebel Legion, the Mandalorian Mercs. You know, they always have their little rooms that they have in the convention center where you can go visit and talk and, and, and see all the work that these people put into these costumes to make them 100, 100% screen accurate. Uh, that's a big deal in the star Wars costuming club committee is, or I mean, organizations rather is, is how screen accurate they are. Yes. Uh, and your costume gets graded based on how close it is to the actual on-screen product. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's incredible. And and you know you're right. I mean and they, they they are very accurate. If you you know you I think you've been to Steel City Con, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 501st is there at every single Comic-Con yep. there and they're I mean they're they look like screen made or screen used outfits. 
Mm-hmm. That's how good mm-hmm. they are. You know, I, I had heard that they were pretty, they were pretty hardcore about that. There was Very no, much. Yeah. 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 You have to petition to become a member. You have to show pictures of your costume from every angle. It's, it's crazy. Wow. The amount of detail that has to go into your presentation to, to be officially recognized as a member of one of these costuming clubs. So that's, a, so obviously the, the fandom there, the 501st, they're a big part of Star Wars Celebration. What else do you notice about the way it's laid out? Uh, I guess the kind of one of the biggest attractions of any con is always the show floor, right? Uh-huh. You know, the show floor is kind of where you've got all of the vendors that are selling their merchandise. You've got an artist's section where you can buy custom art pieces. You've got some booths from all of these major like companies that create that have the Star Wars license and create stuff. So there's always Lego presence. There's always a Hasbro presence. There's like high end furniture, high end collectibles. Like uh, there's a, there's a company that will design custom furniture that's inspired by Star Wars. Uh, you don't want to see the price tag on, on some of those pieces. I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, like the high end collectibles, like the, the really detailed busts, you know, from companies like gentle giant, you know they always have a huge presence on the show floor funko is always there oh yeah Um, on the show floor you've got a stage where you know you'll have some really energetic hosts that are that will kind of interview stars after they've been in panels you know they'll bring them down to the show floor and they'll interview them on the stage they'll have crowd uh like costume contests and all kinds of stuff like you know on this main stage um They'll have like fan engagement events. They'll have like a t-shirt cannon and they'll launch, you know, t-shirts and stuff out into the crowd. You know, it's kind of like the, the hub of where you go to watch the panels. If you don't get actually, if you don't actually get into the room where the panels are occurring, you can watch the panels on a, on a uh, closed circuit television feed right on the main stage. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess there's there's artists that have their custom art pieces up for sale, uh, and every th- single Star Wars celebration that I can think of, uh, at least in recent, you know, maybe past ten of the of the fifteen, uh, there is a, a, an entire uh, area staffed by Lucasfilm licensed tattoo artists, where you can go and get a Star Wars tattoo at Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really cool. And it's all officially recognized. Like they have to, basically, they are licensed to do Star Wars art by Lucasfilm. So they have to be like the cream of the crop to to be in this section. Oh wow! So you're not just getting somebody walking off the street and saying, "Hey, can we work at your show?" <laughs> right. Exactly. That's that's pretty cool. So they take it pretty seriously. Wow. Yeah. I will. I I I don't know a whole lot about Star Wars Celebration, but what I will tell you what I love about it. I've never been to one, but I love that they live stream. Mm-hmm. Shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll sit at work. I, I, I'll for four days, I'll sit there at work when I'm in, in between clients and I'll sit there and watch the panels or whatever they're doing, you know, and it, it feels like it's, it's, it's wonderful because it, you, you get to be there without actually being there, yeah. you know, and I don't think the Star Trek conventions have done that yet. So no, no, not, know. not nearly to the level that they'll, you know, the, the official Star Trek YouTube channel will put like highlights up, but they mm-hmm. won't do a live stream. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I'll give kudos to, the, to them for that because, I mean, it, it's really, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to be fair, if you do go to a Star Wars celebration, you can see a lot more stuff than what they show in that live feed, you know? Sure. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll have the big panels. But, you know, for example, if uh, you are at the Star Wars 
panel for the Mandalorian at Star Wars Celebration, you might get to see an episode before it airs on Disney Plus. Oh, nice. You know, but then, but the, basically the live feed will cut before the episode airs so that, you know, the audience, you know, the people watching from home don't get to experience the same stuff that the people attending Celebration are. Okay. So, oh, wow. yeah, right. so there are definitely advantages to actually being there in person that, that, that the live stream just doesn't show. I mean, let's be honest with with you here. The the cosplay, you have to see that in person f- to get the full effect of it. I mean, you can see it on a on a screen, but to actually be there in person and maybe even get a picture with it or even be allowed to touch the costume, you mm-hmm. know, if you get permission, I mean, you can't beat that, you know? Right. There's nothing like, it's like going to see a, a Star Wars movie on either the big screen or watching it on your TV at home, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's a totally different experience, you know, oh, for sure. on the screen, you know? Exactly. So how's uh, how's the typical creation Star Wars, Star Trek Las Vegas um, convention organized? Is it similar to Star Wars Celebration in any way, where they're broken up into little uh, segments like that, or or you know, does Star Trek Las Vegas have a lot of fan run content? I don't think it had a whole lot of fan run content. There was definitely a lot of official stuff. So it when I. It's at, usually it's at the Rio and there's like a convention area in the back. You go through the casino and you head back down this really long hallway and then you make you round a bend and you go down this like little ramped floor into like a main entrance area where you get your tickets and other little things or your programs, stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's a main theater that's where basically all the action happens for panels and and talking to the celebrities. They they called it the Gene Roddenberry or Gene and Majel Roddenberry Theater, I believe Mm -hmm. is what they called it. Then what you would do is you would walk away from that room and then you'd make a left and there's this really long hallway. And they're they're going down there. They would have it littered with pictures of different cast and characters and places where you could get photo ops you know, they said like STLV 2019 or whatever, that kind of stuff. And there was a secondary theater, which they called the DeForest Kelly Theater. And that's where you would have maybe some of the more like the Star Trek guest stars mm-hmm. or more of like the like the panels talking about science and philosophy, things of that nature. And then so you would walk down the hall a little bit, then there would be an intersection. At that point, they had, if I remember correctly, they had three Borg alcoves that you could actually stand in and get your picture taken in for free, which was really cool. I mean, it was, it looked just like it did in the shows, even with that green light, that like electric light in the back. I mean, it was mm-hmm. wonderful. I got my picture taken there a couple of times. Then in the same hallway, they had uh, a section that they made called quarks bar. And literally they dressed it up like it was quarks from deep space nine. You know, there were a lot of places you could sit down. They had quarks bar signs. They had, uh, uh models of the enterprise e that some fans had created at one point they for 2016 they had a a cloth backdrop of the the original enterprise bridge and a replica of captain kirk's chair you could sit in it and actually get your picture taken there for free which was really cool and then they had a little side area where they did little like smaller panels of stuff i think like the one time they were talking about when Mego came back with star trek figures Mm -hmm. You know, they did those kind of things. They had, uh, I think, Chase Masterson, who played Lita on Deep Space Nine, did like a singing show there at one point. Nice. You know, just little small things. And then as you walk, if you left that corridor, if you went down a little farther and made a left, that's where the dealer's room was. 
with a whole bunch of different Star Trek stuff. So in some years it was bigger than others. And basically, like I said, it was all Star Trek related Mm -hmm. merchandise. Mm -hmm. I know in 2016 they had Star Trek had some sort of license with Mac cosmetics and they actually had some models there, uh, dressed up as like data and counselor Troy. And they were putting different makeup on and showing people <laughs> what it was going on. Ironically, the guy who was modeling the makeup in for data, actually he played the Android. Was it F eight in the first season of star Trek Picard? And then he played the Android named Harvey that was working for Picard with the Confederation. Oh, so nice. Same actor. That was really cool. So, but they had that. I know in 2019, when I went, there was a Star Trek simulator, virtual reality ride, some mm-hmm. sort of thing. In. And, and we got, to, since we were, we were, what was it? Copper package. We got to actually go and do that the day before the convention started. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So my wife and I and two others boarded and it took place in the Kelvin timeline. So they put these things on and we were seated in this like thing that would rock around and stuff basically what we were doing was we were fighting klingon battle cruisers and uh then we were all scored i won go figure right (laughs) (laughs) you know so i i did i was kind of proud about that yeah but i mean that was a big thing let's see what else there was all in 2016 they uh took a picture of me in front of this green screen so they made it actually where i was able to transport away and then come back Oh, that's Uh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if I still have it or not, but uh, it it, it was, it was really neat. And then one year, I think it was in 2016, it was so big that actually they had to set up a little side room for extra vendors, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. Also in that hallway, there was a, uh, there was a, a model of the Star Trek, the original Enterprise transporter. So you got to get your picture taken there for free. One year they had the, agonizer booth from star trek discovery which was Mm -hmm. really cool and then the the last year that i went in 2019 if you went all the way down to the end of the hall there was a room where they had a whole bunch of stuff like different storyboards from star trek the motion picture lined up that you could look at and then there was some sort of other vr thing going on and i was actually in line for it and all of a sudden Aaron Eisenberg, the actor who played Nog on Deep Space Nine, came in to check it out, and he got priority to go and, and, <laughs> and use it. And I'm sitting, I'm standing there going like, okay, this is cool, I get it, Nog needs, you know, he gets special treatment. I'm like, but I've been standing here for how long waiting to get my turn, you know? I, but you know what, it was no big deal. He actually, he unfortunately, he died a month after that happened, so I actually think yeah. it was cool to get to see him doing that with my own right. eyes. Yeah. You know? You know, and then the the last thing also was a few months before Star Trek Picard premiered and they had this big Captain Picard traveling museum that was in there with all these different things from all from the next generation and a lot of the props that were going to be used in Star Trek Picard. And I got to actually tour that, take pictures of everything and make video of it. So it was so cool, you know, and then it's just not the convention that you go to fans actually link up on Twitter and on Facebook and connect with each other and set up little parties and gatherings throughout the the, throughout Vegas during the four or five days Mm -hmm. convention goes on. So it's like it doesn't stop. And it's so much fun because you can actually walk through the convention and into the casino and everything. And sometimes you walk right by the the actors. Right. I walk by George Takei, John Delancey, Kate Mulgrew. There was one guy who played, what was his, what the hell was his name? 
he was he was one of Mr. Uh, Lieutenant Leslie in he was like a background character in uh, the original series. And by then he was it was in 2016. He was in a wheelchair and he was right oh, yeah. behind me in line at, to go into a, a burger place. Nice. And I just figured, you know what, I'll be nice. I'll let him go ahead of me. I said, you can go ahead in front of me. He goes, oh, well, thank you. Nice. Nice. You know, so. You know, yeah. So that was yeah. There's a, there was a lot that goes on at, at the Star Trek conventions. Nice. So I got to ask you now. Um, yeah. Since it takes place in Vegas at a casino, do you ever see the the celebrities and the stars playing uh, like slot machines or table games? I I might have once or twice, and I just don't quite remember. Mm-hmm. I I know that in 2019, Brandy and I, my wife and I, went to there was a Chinese restaurant. And Gary Lockwood, who he he guest starred in the second Star Trek pilot is Gary Mitchell. And he and another Star Trek actor came in. They sat at a table, like two tables away from us. And I'm sitting there pointing at my wife and going, hey, just so you know, that's the guy from uh, where no man has gone before. And then from the movie 2001. She had no idea what the hell I was talking about. But, <laughs> you know, but th- it was that kind of little stuff like you had no clue where yeah. they were going to pop up. It was it, it's just the coolest thing. and. I, I could go on for hours about it, but that that's the basic gist of it. Yeah. So I, I got curious, you know, just as you were talking and I was listening, I, I got curious to know what the average attendance is at Star Trek Las Vegas versus Star Wars Celebration. The average STLV attracts about fifteen to 18,000 people. Star Wars Celebration tends to have about 60,000 people in attendance or more. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought STLV was big, but man. So so it's hard to believe, but uh, technically, STLV is a more intimate co- convention experience than Celebration. I would have never thought that. <laughs> that's really, that's wild. Okay. Well, cool. I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah, I was just, I was just curious. I, I knew that Star Wars Celebration attracted like 40,000 or more people, but I didn't realize that STLV was under 20,000 for most years. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Certainly didn't feel that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit of uh, behind the, the scenes <laughs> trivia there for, you know, for those wondering what the attendance is like for both. Cool. Awesome. So I, I think uh, kind of where really you, the fans, you know, the people that listen to our show really want to know is what our experiences at these cons has been like, you know, some of the things that we personally experienced as far as panels and what we've done on the show floor, any activities, any cool cosplay, you know, I I think that's really the big reason why people go to these conventions is to see all of that stuff. So I thought, you know, why not talk about our own unique experiences at all the cons and Chris, uh, Chris, I know your, your experience and, and the number of cons you've attended vastly outweighs mine but i thought that would be a fun little way to to end up this episode oh absolutely Uh, so the cosplays that people came to there were just were beyond creative i'm trying to remember all as as many as i can obviously you had your typical people in their starfleet uniforms you know you can't have to have that but i remember one guy was dressed up and i got a picture with him he was dressed as a zindi reptilian that was really cool let's see what else did people dress up as there was one lady who dressed up as if I remember correctly, she designed a big poster uh, that of like a postcard. It said, mm-hmm. welcome, to, welcome to Riza. Nice. It. And she dressed herself as like a hula girl. You know, that, that was, that was a really cool one. Uh, I think somebody at one point dressed up as the crystalline entity. 
<laughs> That's it, impressive. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was at one of mine or if I just saw a picture of it, but yeah. I, I saw it somewhere. Let's see. I think there were some people dressed up as like the women from Mud's Women. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Who else? There were, there's just, there were just so many good. I mean, you have your typical, you have your Andorians, you have your Klingons, you have your Romulans. Right. Ah, there were, there were, there was Lursa and Bator. Okay. Right? And a couple of them. I actually yeah. did Klingon karaoke with them. <laughs> I will, if we have time, I'll tell you about Klingon karaoke. That was a freaking blast. Both of them. <laughs> All right. But yeah, Lursan Bator, Bator sang Let It Be in Klingon. Nice. We had somebody dressed as Commander Sela. Somebody was dressed as Ardra. Let's see. Who else? Oh my gosh. I'd have to go back through my pictures and look, but they were just, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. At the convention in 2012, I dressed up. That was the only year I dressed up in, in, in a costume because I could still fit in it. And uh, <laughs> so basically, we were going for the Guinness Book of World Records, the most Trekkies yeah. together. We didn't make it, but it was still fun to be able to do that and keep the little card that said what number we were. So nice. that was fun. So, yeah, there was there was that. What else did you want me to tell you about? Was it um, just the way? Yeah. Let, well, let's kind of break it down individually. You know, let's let's break it down by category. So, you, okay. know, you know, we kind of you talked about all the different cosplay that you saw. So, I'm, yeah. I'll kind of jump in here and, and let you, you know, talk about my cosplay experience at Star Wars Celebration. Cool. So I, I am not a costume person. Like, I just, you know, I'm the guy that wears the Star Wars t-shirt every single day, wears a different t-shirt, you know, mm-hmm. and, and goes to the convention, right? Which nice. is exactly what I do. But uh, I, I certainly appreciate a good cosplay. So mm-hmm. um, on day one of Star Wars Celebration in 2017, I remember seeing this group of uh, costumers or, you know, of, of people in cosplay, they were all dressed up as Muppets crossed with star Wars. Oh, cool. So there was Darth Gonzo. So it's Gonzo and Darth Vader uh, mm-hmm. as a mishmash. Um, then Sam Eagle, Rolf, Kermit and Dr. Bunsen all were wearing stormtrooper gear. Wow. And my favorite, uh, my, my absolute favorite by far Statler and Waldorf as Imperial officers wearing like the black tunics. They would be perfect for those roles. <laughs> right? Definitely. <laughs> yes. It was, it was really, really good. Um, so then a couple other really cool cosplay uh, things that I want to talk about. And this is something, these next two are kind of occur at every single Star Wars celebration. So do you remember in Empire Strikes Back the scene where they're all evacuating Cloud City and you see this guy dressed in like an orange and like cream colored jumpsuit type thing running in the background carrying what looks like a uh, uh, like an uh, an at home ice cream machine? I don't remember seeing that, but I will I'll look for that the next time. Yeah. So next time you're watching uh, Empire Strikes Back, look out for that guy. But yeah, it, basically what he's what we now know as a Camtona, which if you remember from the episode of the Mandalorian, Mando got that container that had all of the, the best car in it. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that, that container that was given to him, that's the same container that this guy is running with in the background of empire. But every single celebration, there is a group of people who would all dress up as this character. And his character is named Wilro hood. At some point in the fan, you know, like the the canon material, they gave him a name and they called him Will Row Hood. But there's a running of the Will Rows at every single Star Wars celebration where they will kind of all these people dressed as Will Row, all carrying these ice cream makers and Cam Tonos, will just 
just run safely down the hallway in between uh, like show floor rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to watch. Oh, that's neat. Do they have yeah. video of that on like YouTube? Oh, absolutely. You can definitely find a bunch of uh, videos called the running of the Wilrow hoods or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of inspired by the running of the Wilrow hoods. Um, do you, did you watch the episode of, uh, SNL that was hosted by Adam Driver like shortly after The Force Awakens came out. I watched I didn't watch it live, but I did watch clips of it on YouTube. Okay. So do you remember the undercover boss skit where he is he's uh, uh, you know, it's Adam Driver as Kylo Ren who's going undercover as uh, Matt the Radar Tech. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a gathering of Matt the Radar Techs that always happens at every celebration. Everybody dressed up as, as Matt the Radar Tech just kind of groups on the show floor so that they can all take pictures with fans and, and pose for pictures together. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, and it's just a, a fun little experience that, you know, that, that fans get to see at Celebration anytime they go. It's just, it's it's one of those, like, you have to see there, you have, you have to be there, you have to see it, you have to... Yeah, you really can't. It, it's really hard to envision it, mm-hmm. you know, without actually having seen it. It, it. But it's great. You can find it on YouTube as well. Just um, Matt the Radar Tech Celebration. You should be able to find it. Oh, sounds good. I'll look for it. Um, and then the year that I went to Celebration uh, in 2017, it was the year after we got Rogue One. Okay. Um, so we got Rogue One in 2016. And. Uh, you know, being that it's Star Wars celebration, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they'll a lot of women will dress up as Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. So the year that I went, it was the year after Rogue One premiered in the theater. There was this little girl dressed as Jin Erso mm-hmm. from Rogue One, and she had the plans to the Death Star as like little like cardboard business cards, mm-hmm. and she would be she would go and hand them to all the gir- all the women dressed as Princess Leia. Are you She's serious? handing off the Death Star plans to the to all the Leias. Oh, that's too cute, man. That's great. It was so adorable. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> oh wow. Did she get recognized for doing that? Like like by the the people who organized it? I don't know. I have no idea. Wow. If, if I, she I ever got, so. Yeah. But that is really cool. Did she give you guys? Was she only given out to Princess Leia's? Yes. Even, yeah. That's she it. was only given out to anybody dressed cosplaying as Leia. All right. Well, yeah, she took that Jyn so seriously, man. <laughs> I loved that's it. Good. It was so adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite memories of all the panels that I attended, all the stuff that I saw. That was probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. Oh, perfect. That, now that's special. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I that's really all the major uh, cosplay stuff that I've seen. I mean, uh-huh. you know, you've got your characters, you know, people dressed up as, as all of the characters from all the Star Wars. I mean, there are so many different unique pe- uh, roles that people can play. There's, um, it, it's just insane to see the level of detail and the creation that goes in, you know, the time and that goes into this, the creation of these things. It's yeah. Like it's incredible. Sure is. So why don't we talk about some of the most memorable panels, like official uh, presentations and panels that we've seen. So, Chris, why don't you tell us some of the your favorite panels from the STLVs that you've attended? Okay. Well, from the very first convention that we went to in 2012, Grace Lee Whitney was 
on stage. This was a year or two before she died. So I got to hear her talk about her memories of Star Trek. And she actually told everybody about what actually happened with why she was let go of the, sh- the show. Uh, I don't remember all the specific details, but I'll, I'll just put it this way. You know, if, if you've ever seen the show Mad Men, mm-hmm. how these higher up executives would treat their female employees. Yeah. I think you know where I'm going with all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, back then that was the men got their side was always told, you know, mm-hmm. so it was it was it was sad to hear it, but it was interesting to hear it from her own words. Yeah. What, what happened. You know? I, I assume that what you mean, this is like a, a me too instance, right? S- something like that. Yes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Or maybe not to that severity, but close right. enough. But just enough that it was, you know. It was part of, it was just the way it was back in the sixties, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, so that was a good, that was a really good one. Let's see who else did I ever, did I ever really see that I enjoyed? I remember Scott Bakula. uh, I believe it was, he was on stage at the 2016 one at the 50th Star Trek convention. He is the, I didn't get to meet him, but he is one of the nicest people on the planet. He was really? just so graceful and, and just so kind to the audience. He would run back and forth because there were two sides to the stage, people asking questions. And every he'd go to every other question, he'd run all the way across the stage and slide. You know, it, it was really cool. I hope to get to meet him someday because he just seems like a genuine, like you can tell when somebody's genuine and when they're just faking it, you know, he's uh-huh. not one of them. He was That's definitely good. was not one of them. In 2016's conventions, again, since it was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, Whoopi Goldberg came, which was really amazing to me because Whoopi Goldberg is my favorite actress. Mm-hmm. And so to get to hear her talk about Star Trek and everything, I thought was really wonderful. But Kirstie Alley also came to her very one and only Star Trek convention. So and I've, okay. I've, loved, I've loved Kirstie Alley since Cheers. Uh, I was a big fan of the Look Who's Talking movies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So now to me, when I think of Savick, I don't necessarily think of her because I my first Star Trek movie I ever saw was Star Trek three. So Robin Curtis is what I think of when I think of Savick. Right. But I, I loved Kirstie Alley in, in Cheers and her, you know, just her comedic timing and things of that nature. I know some people don't like her because of her politics and stuff. But there was a, I, I just think she's I just always thought she was hot as hell. I just did. <laughs> and, and just I, I just, you know, I, I had a thing for her. And so to get to see her at her one and only convention was really cool. Yeah, you know, that, that has was, to be. Yeah, that had to be a great experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see any other panels. Oh, well, uh, they had when in 2019, they were prepping Star Trek Lower Decks. So some of the people who who were making the show, the producers actually came and started giving like behind the scenes stuff and of what we were to expect. Mm-hmm. So that, that was really cool. I got a lot of pictures and stuff of that. Let's see. What else? Uh, panels? There were so many good panels. William Shatner's panels, of course, were always a treat. But what's interesting about William Shatner's panels is he doesn't necessarily talk a lot about Star Trek. He comes on and he just starts talking about life in general. Mm-hmm. It's just it's kind of like he's been like I've I've Star Trek out with all these conversations. Yes, I'll answer questions about it from the fans, but really I'm here to talk about my current life. Yeah, yeah. you know. So that that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot more. I just can't remember every single one. Right. But there are a lot more activities, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I very distinctly remember uh, almost all of the panels that I attended at Star Wars Celebration uh, in 2017. 
the biggest one that I attended was the Star Wars 40th anniversary panel. Um, because 2017 was the 40th anniversary of the release of the original Star Wars, mm-hmm. they were able to have every single uh, actor that portrayed a role. Like, I mean, you had Ian McDiarmid, you had uh, you had Anthony Daniels, you had uh, Billy D. Williams, Harrison Ford was there. Uh, nice. Daisy Rid, uh, um, um, uh, Mark Hamill was there. Um, and I know, uh, you know, and in 2016, of course, was when we lost Carrie Fisher, um, in December of that year. Uh, and, and celebration 2017 was in, in April, but she had never missed a store celebration. She was at every single one. And I know she would have mm-hmm. been there for that had she, sure, you know, not left us so early. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, there were all those stars there, and they were just talking about the memories of filming, and George was having a conversation with them, and, and it was just, it was so much fun. It was so enjoyable. Uh, George Lucas, seeing George Lucas there, you know, five years after he sold Lucasfilm to Disney, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having, the, having him come back for the 40th anniversary panel was huge. I bet. And that wasn't even the biggest surprise of that panel. Um, Right towards the end of the panel, the the lights uh, in the auditorium went dim because they were showing a video package uh, tribute to Carrie Fisher. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the video package, you start to hear Leia's theme Mm -hmm. being played. But it's not a recording. In the auditorium, there was a floor-to-ceiling curtain. And behind that curtain was John Williams and the Orlando Symphony Orchestra playing Leia's theme live. Whoa! As part of the video tribute package. Oh my gosh, man, that's intense. And I'm not going to lie, I cried. Oh, I don't blame you. It was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. And after that, you know, they they showed, you know, uh, a tribute, you know, they finished the tribute package, and then uh, the, the orchestra then played a lot of the other uh, Star Wars themes from that first movie. You know, you had Obi Wan's theme, which became the Force theme, and you know, you had uh, a couple of the other memorable tracks from mm-hmm. the original soundtrack that they kind of finished off the pre- the panel with. It was really, really cool. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. The fact that they managed to get John Williams there with an orchestra to play that. Right. Yeah. I. Right. Yeah. You picked the right year to go. No <laughs> <laughs> denying that. You know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very cool, very cool mm-hmm. uh, to see that indeed. Um, and then I guess one of the other big panels that I got to go to was the Star Wars Rebels panel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was shortly after season three had finished airing, and uh, season four we knew was coming. Uh, and Dave Filoni was on stage. He had a lot of the stars. You know, Freddie Prince Jr. was there. Um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name that he plays Darth Maul, Sam Witwer, uh, mm-hmm. in the animated stuff. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, um, had Vanessa Marshall was there who played Harrison Dula, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka, you know, they were all there talking about star Wars rebels. Uh, and they announced that that was going to be the final season of star Wars rebels with season four. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, uh, <laughs> one of the most memorable, things about that panel was uh you know dave floney loves to play tricks on the the audience and, and play tricks on the fans mm-hmm. uh so he started the panel wearing this black t-shirt with white lettering that says 
Ahsoka lives with a question mark at the end. Uh-huh. And that's not the first time that he'd worn that shirt. Um, okay. He'd worn that shirt ever since, uh, you know, multiple times since season two of Star Wars Rebels ended mm-hmm. with, you know, Ahsoka's fate very much undecided because she was fighting Darth Vader mm-hmm. uh, in, in the uh, Sith Temple. And at some point in the presentation, probably about the midway point, Dave Filoni had walked off stage and come back, but there was a subtle change to his T-shirt. Okay. The T-shirt said, Ahsoka lives with an exclamation point at the end. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, of course, you know, speculation went wild, what that heck that means. And, of course, you know, we would find out later on in season four, there would be that episode where Ezra utilizes the world between worlds and is able to go back to that battle and essentially save Ahsoka and rescue her and pull her into the current time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Man, that wow. <laughs> you got your money's worth. I, <laughs> For I, sure. I, I can't believe. Yeah, that is some good stuff. <laughs> wow. Uh, right, right. Yeah, man. Um, what other panel did I attend? Uh, I attended the women of star Wars panel. Um, Mm -hmm. that was a panel with Ashley Eckstein, Tia Surkar, who Mm -hmm. was the voice of Sabine in rebels. Uh, Daisy Ridley was there and Dave Filoni was there. And the panel was moderated by the, uh, Amy Ratcliffe, who, uh, has written a, quite a few Star Wars books, not not fiction books, but um, she wrote a nonfiction book called The Women of Star Wars. Uh, she has written a couple mindfulness books, I think, as well. Like she's she's basically you know she's become a Star Wars author, but she's more in the nonfiction realm. I gotcha. um, but she moderated the panel, and they talked about how it was you know how all these strong female characters that we've seen throughout Star Wars history inspired these women to, and then when they got the, you know, the call that they were being cast to play female characters in Star Wars, what that was like for them. It was really fun to hear all those stories. Nice. Um, But that was a much smaller panel than of course the, the first two that I attended. Oh, sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know I haven't attended quite as many uh, conventions or celebrations, you know, or the, you know, the, the STLV equivalent uh, mm-hmm. as you have, but I did get to see, or I, I actually got to go to D23 2019 and saw some cool panels, um, which is kind of the official Disney convention, but you know, there's a star Wars presence there. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I also got to uh, take two Star Wars Day at Sea cruises on Disney Cruise Line back in 2016 and 2017, and they had an entire day dedicated to Star Wars, and it was kind of mm-hmm. like a mini celebration there too. So, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, nice. That you know, while I haven't had the traditional con experiences often, I've kind of had some pretty cool um, fan moments either way. Oh, that's great! That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing those memories. Yeah, of course. Um, what uh, what are some of the non-panel activities that you've done at Star Trek Las Vegas? All right. So there was a two, in 2012 as part of our captain's chair package, we were able to go to a midnight Sunday party. So they were I guess they had like a big like Sunday bar and something and fans just kind of got to go and and have dessert. That was that was nice. Let's see here. In two, oh, it at the end of every 
Star Trek Las Vegas, the last night, they close out the convention by having a show from what's called the Star Trek Rat Pack. And that's a bunch of different Star Trek actors like, uh, see, uh, Armin Shimmerman, Max Grudenchik, Casey Biggs, Vaughn Armstrong. There might be another one or two I'm missing. Uh, the one in 2019, uh, the one that was there as a surprise was Nana Visitor from Deep Space Nine, which was really cool. So basically they just sing like songs kind of like from like the, the 50s era, kind of like the, the with like Frank Sinatra, things like that. But they're all Star Trek themed. And those those are a lot of fun. A lot of people look forward to that at the at the convention. Let's see what else did did uh, we do? What other panels? Oh, there was one time I actually got to meet some of the producers of some of the of the Star Trek that I grew up with. So obviously, a lot of the actors you have to pay for their autographs or for uh-huh. pictures. While these people actually would give their autographs complimentary. Nice. So I got I, I took the. The, the program from Star Trek 2016. That's all I had for them to sign. So I had them all sign it. And uh, one of the one of them was Iris Stephen Bear, and talked a lot about a little bit about how you know great Deep Space Nine was. And he actually signed my thing to Chris DS Nine Rules. Iris Stephen Bear. Nice. Yeah. And then I got to talk to Brandon Braga. As you know, a lot of people beat down on him for know. you know Star Trek dying. I'll be honest with you. I was one of them who did it, and I actually got it published in a Star Trek Communicator. Went back when I was in uh, in nineteen. No, no, no. It was spring two thousand. I was a freshman at Cal U at the time. <laughs> but I, I was upset about how Voyager six season was. I thought it was full of mistakes and errors, and I kind of let, let let them have it and told them that they failed. <laughs> I was I was nineteen at the time, so you know I I regret what I said now, but it was cool to get it published, you know. But um, so I talked to him a little bit about how I felt Enterprise got the shaft. And, you know, he talked a little bit about how he felt about that as well. Right. You know, you know so and look, I'm glad to see Enterprise is starting to get its popularity now. You know, it's oh, getting respect. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely one of my favorite yeah. Trek series. Right. Oh, it's excellent. You know, and there were two others. I think there were Renee Echeverria, I believe, was one of the writers mm-hmm. or producers. I think I got his autograph. And there was one other person. I can't remember who it is. I actually have it framed in my man cave downstairs. I'll have to, I guess I'll have to look at it again and see who the other one was. But that was a really cool panel. The thing that I probably enjoyed the most out of the, it wasn't in 2012, but 2016 and 2019, they had Klingon karaoke. And it was it was a an evening event uh, that was on, in the room next to Quark's bar, and it was hosted by. At one point, it was hosted by Robert O'Reilly, who played Gowron, and then J.G. Hertzler, who played General Martok, and they were in, they were in Klingon makeup. And in, in 2016, <laughs> they were in Klingon makeup, but they were in like civilian clothing. And f- if you wanted to, you could sign up and get up on stage and and karaoke with them. And it, it was a freaking blast. I didn't go up and go. I'm too chicken to do that. But I would. I sat in the front row, got some great pictures. At one point, Gowron looked at me, and it was. I was still early on when people were were coming in, and he saw I was filming, and he goes, "Remember, everybody, what happens on in Kronos stays on Kronos." And I was like, oh, shit, he just saw me filming and he's probably like ticked off now, you know, <laughs> but he was cool with it. But I, I know he was talking to me because I was in front row and he saw I was one of the few still already there. Mm-hmm. So I guess that that was kind of cool, but uh, <laughs> it was fun. 
General Martok would grab like a broom or a mop and he'd use it and pretend it was a guitar while he was actually uh, singing along with the fans. So that That's was great. Really, that was fun. And then halfway through, Connor Trenier, Anthony Montgomery and Dominic Keating from Enterprise mm-hmm. came out and they kind of took over. And they, what was really fun in 2016 and 2019, we got to sing the, the Enterprise theme song with them. Oh, that's awesome. Which was mind blowing. Yeah. It, it was incredible, you know, and uh, let's see what else. And then uh, in 2019, Gowron and Martok were back. But at one point, I don't know if Gowron was drunk or not, <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> but he was acting, he was having a good time. Let me just say that. And at one point he threw his costume glove out into the audience it landed right next to me and i i I froze for a second i was like oh my goodness somebody's gonna go grab this nobody (laughs) nobody even saw it so i grabbed it and i still have it to this day that's awesome i was gonna give it back to him genuinely honest to goodness i was going to but by the time i i was able to get up to see him he was gone he'd already Ah, you know so i got this nice little collectible now that i actually got to put on my hand and stuff i was (laughs) i was blown away right. and then afterward we went back to our hotel we stayed at the gold coast across the street from the rio and on our floor i was just talking to some fans and then all of a sudden i run into an, a mega fan i don't know if you remember gabriel corner uh-uh. uh, he was he was in trekkies and trekkies too really big he's into like visual effects and stuff like that so i got to shake his hand and have a little conversation with him which i thought was really cool Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I got to have that kind of stuff. And then also in 2012, because the, the, we were sent to STLV that year by my in-laws, um, as a gift and they actually, for the people, for our package, we got to go on top of the Rio and there's a a lounge there called the voodoo lounge. Yeah. And we got to have like a nice, like prime rib dinner and, and all that kind of stuff. They had a Star Trek ice carving and everything. And JG Hertzler was actually, and and Robert O'Reilly were actually in a band and they were singing. Oh, that's you fantastic! Know? So we got the wow. party, you know, like the 118th floor, you know, until mi- over after midnight. It was the coolest thing, you know. <laughs> I bet. So, yeah. So I mean, I, those were some probably some of the biggest highlights. Klingon karaoke, I will I will never forget. You can go on to YouTube and actually watch some of that stuff, you know. Nice. So, what about you? Any special events that you had? Uh, so yeah, I, um, I didn't really attend anything like after the convention really, cause I was so tired, so exhausted by the end of it that I just wanted to eat, go, uh, eat dinner, get back to the hotel and just crash. So I oh, didn't yeah. really do a whole lot of, um, after celebration activities, but you know, some of the things I did while celebration was going on, uh, you know, just in and around the show floor and, and the convention center. Um, I went to a few different podcast, uh, show or podcast stage shows that they had basically, you know, because Star Wars celebration has a huge fan driven fan run component to it. Uh, podcasts and YouTube and content creators, they can, they can basically apply to get a space at Star Wars Celebration to kind of host a gathering of fans of their product. Okay. Um, and, you know, sometimes they'll do live episodes. Sometimes they'll uh, do like, even like there's ones that will do like, a, they'll perform a radio drama live uh, that somebody like this, that a fan wrote 
um, and they'll have like actors completely perf- like performing all the parts and, and everything like as a dramatization. It's really cool to see something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, some of them will have like uh, bands or other musicians. Um, some of them will even feature like authors and actors and stuff. You know, if they have if they're if they have a big enough following and a big enough uh, relationship with Lucasfilm, they can get some of these actors and stuff to be at the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm recording the live podcast recording is pretty cool so i did a a couple of those went to a couple of those those are a lot of fun because you know you're you're just around a bunch of fans of a a product you know yes uh it's kind of like box within a box right you know you've got fans of star wars themed uh fan created content like podcasts and and youtube channels at a star wars convention it's it's pretty cool Nice uh, to do all that. And then one of the most memorable things from the show floor that I got to see. Uh, so have you ever heard of Rancho Obi-Wan? Yes. Okay. So, you know, Rancho Obi-Wan is like, it's owned by Steven Sansweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to be the director or the head of fan relations for Lucasfilm back in the nineties. But his co- claim to fame now is that he runs Rancho Obi-Wan, which is a uh, a private museum up in Petaluma, California, which is very close to San Francisco and very, very close to uh, Skywalker Ranch okay. uh, up in Northern California. Um, he now owns Rancho Obi-Wan and he and Steve Sansweet is the Guinness Book of Records uh, world record holder for the largest collection, the largest private collection of Star Wars memorabilia. Oh, wow. And he displays it all in this museum. And most of the stuff he purchases with his own money. Um, he, you know, like the museum gets donations and stuff, but he never uses the donations to buy stuff. It's always out of his, his pocket. Um, and, uh, so every celebration, they kind of have a mini, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan exhibit at, uh, at the at Star Wars celebration on the show floor. Mm-hmm. And, and the year that I went, the theme was, um, what, what, you know, what it would be like to have a kid's bedroom completely decked out in star Wars memorabilia. Okay. So they had a bed and it had sheets, a bedspread. There were posters and all kinds of stuff all over the walls. There were toys throughout the room. It was really cool to see this little mm-hmm. exhibit. And, and then the rest of the exhibit that was kind of walked through and all this stuff was in display cases, but it was all kind of stuff that you would see in a kid's room. Uh, so like, you would see all kinds of Star Wars clothing. Uh, you would see undergarments, like underroos, and all this kind of like mm-hmm. wearable Star Wars stuff. Uh, and then you would see like hygiene products, like Star Wars toothbrushes, toothpastes, mouthwash, dental floss, like all kind uh, body washes, soaps. You know, it was all kind of like the stuff you might expect to see in a bedroom or a bathroom. Okay. Um, and it was a really cool experience. And then, and then at the end, you could get Steven Sansweet's autograph. Oh, nice! Yeah, because he would, you know, he would sit there at the table with his uh, administrative assistant that kind of runs uh, a lot of the stuff for. um, He, you know, she runs a lot of the Rancho Obi Wan administrative stuff. Uh, Okay, he was there with her signing autographs. It was cool. Nice. So that's kind of the the two cool fan experiences that I got to uh, participate in at uh, at Star Wars Celebration. Oh, that's wonderful! Good memories, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. On, on that note, and kind of meeting people, uh, have let's talk about meeting actors or celebrities or people that have acted or been involved in Star Wars. Do you have any cool stories or experiences to share there? 
Oh, absolutely. So in 2012, I got to meet two actors. The very first Star Trek celebrity I ever met forever was Martha Hackett. And she played Seska, the Cardassian the, the villain who betrayed Voyager to the, to the Kazon mm-hmm. during the second season of Voyager. Well, she was always my favorite villain of all of Star Trek. And so to actually, I got to meet her briefly. I think it was just for a photo op. Um, she, she was really nice. She was like, hi, you know, and, and it was just like, so I walked over, she leaned in close to me, got the picture. That was the first time I've ever been starstruck in my life. So I'd say about for five or six minutes, I kind of walked around in a daze, <laughs> you know, so it was like, here's this woman that she played my favorite villain. And now I'm getting to stand right next to her. And she's like, got her hands on my back. <laughs> you know, it's like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day after that, I got to meet Connor Trenier briefly and got my nice. photo with him. That was really officially where my photo op Star Trek photo op collection started. Okay. So yeah. In, in 2016, we had, we'd spent quite a lot to go. And I wasn't able to pay for any photo ops. I, w- I wanted Whoopi Goldberg and Kirstie Alley, but again, bet, that yeah. didn't work out. But I did, just like in 2012, I, I participated in an activity and I won something. So in 2012, I participated in like a discussion about like the most meaningful episodes of Star Trek. And I got a Star Trek watch, which was cool. Mm-hmm. I did Star Trek trivia in 2016 i was actually the very last contestant and i won and i got a a photo op with robert duncan mcneil nice so i got that tom paris himself yes so got my tom paris part of my collection now we weren't going to go back in 2019 the only reason i went is because right around that time nichelle nichols got diagnosed with dementia and i knew that she was going to be leaving the circuit of conventions very soon so i said to my wife if I want to get a photo op and meet her, it's this is it. We have mm-hmm. to do it. So yeah. she actually did. She let we went to, to the 2019 show. So I met her. She was very weak at the time. She had it, you know, people had to walk with her and, and sit her down. And I got my picture with her and we did the Vulcan salute together. And I told her, I said, I, I love you. And she very quietly said, Thank you. you know, and her voice was mostly gone by then. Yeah. You know, and then the next day after that, I met my favorite Deep Space Nine character, uh, Nana Visitor, Major Kira herself. And so that was a dream come true. And after the picture, I said, I love you. And she goes, well, I love you, too. So I thought I was like, that's really cool. And then I got to add on somebody that I wasn't expecting. And thanks to my wife, but Jerry Ryan. Nice. And so I was I was not nervous to meet Michelle Nichols. I was not nervous to meet Nana Visitor. When it came to Jerry Ryan, I was the biggest geek on the planet. <laughs> I I was nervous like you wouldn't believe. And if I'll show you the picture sometime. I hate the way I look in the picture. You know, she had a beautiful smile and everything. She's touching my back and I'm just I'm like standing sideways like with this weird grin on my face. Right. You know, but uh so that was really cool to get to meet her. You know. But I mean, the thing is though, that's genuine, right? Yeah, that's a genuine moment. And yes, as, as disappointed as you are in your appearance, you were just in the moment and you yes. were just you were just starstruck. And that's OK. Yeah, I was a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. So that. Yeah. But those are those were the celebrities that I met. And then in addition to those those people that I told you that the, the producers 
that yeah. you know those people. You know, my my collection of Star Trek photo ops has grown over the years, but that's because of Steel City Con and Wizard World Comic Con. Right, you know? right. Oh, 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 wait, never mind. I met Terry Farrell at another creation event, not SLV. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I I didn't really spend a whole lot of time meeting celebrities. Like I didn't. I I'm, I don't know. I just. I'm not really a big autograph and photo op kind of guy. Like it, it uh-huh. just, I mean, it's not even the money. It's that that has nothing to do with it. I just feel like it's not an, an organic enough experience, mm-hmm. right? It's very staged, very formal. Like, yeah. yeah, you get to kind of geek out a little bit, but what, I mean, at most, depending on who you're standing in line for. And generally it relates to, the more money you spend, uh, the less time you seem to get with a celebrity. Yes. Like, you know, Mark Hamill, uh, you might get one or two minutes with him, mm-hmm. you know, for $300 or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, somebody like, uh, I don't know, Sam Witwer, we'll use him as an example. Yeah, he's done a lot of voiceover work for Star Wars, but, yes. you know, you probably spend a lot more time with him for a fraction of the cost. Mm-hmm. So I just, I I would, I like much more organic experiences. And um, so, you know, like I'll chat people up in the hallways, I'll start conversations or I'll be in conversations with other fans. Like Mm -hmm. I um, just from voice alone and and seeing pictures of uh, some of the podcasts that I used to listen to that, you know, some of them aren't even recording new episodes anymore. Um, but I recognize the, you know, hosts and I would hang out with them and just spend time talking to them and chatting Star Wars because, you know, we're sharing that, that fan experience, um, Mm -hmm. much more intimately than say, you know, meeting, uh, uh, somebody who acted in the movies. Um, I guess the most famous person that I really met at Star Wars Celebration, uh, was probably Timothy Zahn, you know, who is Mm -hmm. the author that created Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, you know, so of course, uh, you know, Thrawn had made his debut in season three of Rebels and he was really popular. So I got to chat up uh, Timothy Zahn about, you know, what it was like to see uh, Thrawn kind of be brought to life in a different medium. And mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. And then he signed one of my books. Nice. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And that was a free autograph. He was, you just had to wait in the line at the uh, Del Rey uh, books um, mm-hmm. booth at, at Celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Earlier that year in 2017, uh, you know, earlier in the year that I went to Celebration, I went on one of those Star Wars Day at Sea cruises. And uh, the special presenter that we had uh, on that cruise, his name is Matt Martin, and he's an executive on the on the Lucasfilm Story Group. Uh-huh. So he did a presentation on Star Wars Day at Sea that I attended. And, you know, he was kind of having a Q&A session. It was really cool, really fun. They had it in one of the theaters on board. Um, but what was cool about Matt Martin is not only did we, you know, was he kind of our special guest, um, but, you know, uh, every night on the cruise, you have the same dining time and you have the same table number in every single restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Disney has you rotate between restaurants, but you keep the same table number and you keep the same wait staff for every restaurant that you visit, no matter, you know, and they, fo- you're, you're basically, your wait staff follows you restaurant to restaurant to restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you have the same table number, you often sit next to or around the same people. So uh, our, t- our table in the dining room was almost always uh, positioned right near uh, matt martin and his fiance's table nice and it was you know it was kind of fun we you know we would chat with him during 
uh, meals, you know, of course, you know, we wouldn't bother him while he was eating. He wouldn't bother us, but, you know, kind of as we were in between courses or whatever, you know, we might chat and it was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. He's a cool dude. That's awesome. Very, very down to earth. Very, cool. very much a Disney fan and a Star Wars fan, which, you know, fits in very well with the, t- with the company now. Oh, well, good. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, those are the, really the only um, fan experiences that I've had with celebrities or people that I consider celebrities. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the actors, but I kind of like the, the people that work behind the scenes because I love picking their brains. Mm-hmm. Well, great. That's awesome. I'm glad you got to have that. Yeah. So I, I think we're getting ready to wrap up because we have already gone an hour and a half. This wow. is going to be an extra long episode, <laughs> I know. But uh, let's really quick, let's talk about um, what you know. everybody goes to Star, Star Wars and Star Trek cons for is the, the merchandise. So, mm-hmm. Chris, why don't you tell me the coolest piece of merchandise that you either bought or somehow else acquired or at a Star Trek Las Vegas? All right. So I didn't really spend a lot on like like big collectibles. I couldn't afford it, but I got mm-hmm. a bunch of little things. I ended up getting a winter coat from Next Generation's 30th anniversary, which was really cool. I still wear it to this day. Uh, I bought it in a four extra large because I was super heavy at the time, not mm-hmm. knowing that a year later, because of keto, I'd be 90 pounds lighter. You know, so even to this day, it still swims on me. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to keep wearing it. Of course. So, got that. Um, in 2016, I got a Star Trek stuffed animal of Scotty, <laughs> which was really kind of neat. Um, so I have him. And over the years, I've gotten a couple more of the characters. But that was a neat find. Uh, at 2012, I got a Star Trek The Next Generation 25th anniversary hat. And then in 2019, I missed getting it in 2016, but they had Summit, the 19 convention. I got a Star Trek 50th anniversary hat, and I still wear that one to this day. The next generation one got ruined. Uh, see, so got a, a, an Enterprise necklace for the Enterprise A and uh, 25th anniversary Deep Space Nine water bottle, 30th anniversary Next Generation coffee mug, which is one of my favorites. So some really cool stuff. Those are those are some of the basics, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I didn't purchase any major, like, expensive things. Um, a lot of my memorabilia that I bought, you know, I got, uh, I got a T-shirt, I got mm-hmm. a commemorative pin. Um, I think I had, so at, I had tried to get, um, like invited to stand in line at the Funko booth, but I didn't get it. But one of my friends that went with us got it. So he was able to stand in line and get me the one pop vinyl I wanted from that year was Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, as he appeared in Rebels. So Mm -hmm. uh, I got that pop vinyl because there was no other way to get it. Like if you didn't get a a spot in the lottery, you couldn't wait at the Funko booth at all. Okay. So I was very lucky to get that piece of of memorabilia. Um, But other than that, my, uh, I did pre-order an Ahsoka art by this artist named Danny Haas. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka is a very common subject of his paintings, and uh, so it was a it's a limited edition, only so many prints. Uh, it's individually numbered, and it has Danny Haas's signature on it. Um, and I have that framed, and it's uh, up the it's framed and hanging on the wall. Uh, in our stairwell up to the upper floor of our house. Okay. Um, nice. We got a Star Wars The Last Jedi poster that we that Kylie and I framed and we put our celebration lanyards, our badges, uh, in with the Last Jedi poster. Cool. And yeah, so that's those are kind of the things that we 
had collected. So more of our collectibles were just stuff that was handed out for free, but we kind of made it personal, right? And yes. you know, it was it was a lot of fun to nice. to you know to look back and every time I go up and down the stairs I can look on this. Okay. Well good. That 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 would be really cool to look at, definitely. Yeah. Didn't you also say you got a, a Carrie Fisher poster? I did. I sent you that Carrie Fisher poster. They gave yeah. us that when we because anybody who attended the fortieth anniversary panel got that poster as well. Nice. And that's on display in our house as well. Oh good. Good. It was a nice poster, so I can see why you displayed it. All right. So I think on that note, we are done sharing our personal experiences with Star Wars and Star Trek conventions. I think the purpose of this episode really is just to encourage anybody that listens to our podcast to really don't, you know, take the leap. Go to a Star Wars celebration. Go to a Star Trek convention. You will have a blast. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, you'll make the, the most amazing memories, believe me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so if you have the opportunity, even if you go to a small regional con, just to kind of start out, do it. And then, you know, go to Star Wars Celebration and, and enjoy the just the total immersion in the fan experience. Absolutely. And uh, anybody who has attended a Star Wars Celebration or a Star Trek uh, Las Vegas or any other Star Trek convention... Why don't you email us logs lightsabers pod at gmail.com is our email address. Tell us about your experience at Star Wars Celebration. Absolutely. We'd love to hear it. All right. Uh, on that note, I think that is going to do it for episode 23 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this extra long episode. Uh, and I just want to let everyone know that this will be be kind of our last episode for about a month we're going to go take a little hiatus but when we do come back it's going to be an interview episode uh where we're going to sit down and talk to uh landon ginn who has uh who is an animator he works in 3d animation and he's worked on star trek prodigy which if you've listened to the show you know how uh big of fans we are of that show yes very much so so we're looking forward to talking to Landon Ginn, and uh, we're looking forward to when you can join us again for that episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. For episode 23 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, my name is Jonathan. And I'm Chris. Live long and prosper. And may the Force be with you. <laughs>